what you were just singing that last song that it says through the storm he's Lord of all and oh, so many times we ask God to remove the storm or to take us out of the storm when from God's perspective he's like hey child I I want you to learn something here I want you to grow and uh, so it's through this storm through our storms He's still Lord. And when we're not in storms as well, he's still Lord. On the mountaintops as well, when everything, you know, when, when uh, we're not experiencing maybe some difficulties and we're experiencing uh, a lots of joy, peace, and maybe, um, you know, things that are, are going smoothly. And I think that's part of the journey as well. Then he's Lord of all as well. But God is, is Lord of all through uh, our journey as well. Thank you, Cameron. Um, and I, I praise God this morning. I love when things like this happen that are not planned. And what I mean was just before Cameron got up, I was talking about the holiness of God. And the first song that he sings is, this is the air I breathe, the presence of God living in me. Me and Cameron didn't plan that. God did. And uh, so the presence of God living in us, working in us, through us, is a beautiful thing. The presence of a holy God, through the, only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so that is so awesome. We have so much to be thankful for this morning. Another song was Grace So Free. In the midst of inflation, grace is still free. And it's still going to be free. Uh, and so it's, uh, we have so much to be thankful for. God's grace so free uh, and his mercies that are new every day. And we don't have to pay anything for it. It's free. Uh, so bless you uh, just with your, your worship. Another song was, I will rise when he calls my name. And I was thinking about that as we were singing that song. Talked about Moses last week. And I want to I want to continue on on some of that theme of, of just experiencing God meeting God You know, we know that Moses met with God And then God gave him a clear call And I think each one of us God has a very specific and clear call for us. I really believe he does And so one is do we want to know it? Because if we don't want to know it, I really doubt we're going to learn it. The next step then is if you want to know it and God reveals it to you, what do you do with it then? God is a good communicator, and Lord willing, that's going to come up um, in a message uh, sometime soon on, the, on, on how well God communicates and just the different things and how God communicates. We saw it last week that God communicated through a bush. Uh, but there's lots of other things in scripture as well that God communicates through all different ways uh, But this morning uh, It did get changed This week for me Because I was actually planning on planning a message uh, Talking about just different ways that God communicates uh, But I'm going to start with a question here this morning And that's how do you respond to something that completely changes your plans and you have no control over it. 
How do you respond? Question number two, how should you respond? When something changes and you have no control over it. How do you respond and how should you respond? Is there a proper way for you to respond? Because I think how we handle that, how you walk through that, makes a difference on the other end. Because that happened for me this week, and a lot of you have been asking about it, and I want to say thank you for asking about it because it tells me that you're concerned, you care. Uh, a lot of you had sent texts or something as well because uh, Tuesday morning and even this morning people were like hey you know obviously we heard that you didn't have surgery and you were in the OR and so I said just hang tight I'll talk about it here this morning because I do want to talk about it because I did learn a lot from it this week uh, just since Tuesday and that was one of the things I've in just in asking God I'm like God why did this happen on Tuesday already I was asking God why did this happen here's what happened for those of you that don't know I was scheduled uh, to have a hip replacement on Tuesday morning. And so I drove up to, me and Jen drove up to Lebanon, left early, left our house at about 5.30 because we had to be there at 6.15 for a 7.30 uh, surgery time. And the, the reason we had to drive up to Lebanon, we're like, man, why do we have to drive all the way up to Lebanon uh, for this surgery when everything else is, you know, we live in Lancaster. Everything should be within, you know, three miles. Uh, but the... Uh, their, their um, surgical facility up there is where they have their joint replacements. So it's their parts warehouse, I guess, is up in Lebanon. <laughs> so I had to run out to Lebanon to get my other parts. But uh, that, is, that is the reason that they said they, don't, they do all their joint replacements uh, up there. Everything, they just have a little, the, the facilities are a little bigger, and I guess have more room to work, but that was it. Anyway, so I got up there, I checked in at 6.15, and they did all my, you know, my pre-op, got me ready. It took about, it was about an hour process of getting ready for my surgery. Gave me a bunch of meds and met with the doctor. And, you know, he had signed my leg and uh, made sure that we're working on the right leg. And uh, met with the anesthesiologist. They came, he came in. So all that was done. And about, it was actually a little bit after 7.30. Uh, all right, here I go. We're all ready to roll. So they push me back into the OR. So I'm in the OR, and they start getting everything ready. Um, and I saw the anesthesiologist with his needle looked about that long, but I don't know. He was, he was all ready to come and, you know, give it to me right down, right in my spine. Uh, until they realized that they have no oxygen. Their oxygen was there was a, it was zero and they're like I mean you're not going to have surgery without oxygen so they uh they call I didn't know what was going on right away but uh they soon explained to me they were like we don't know what I mean their oxygen is down to zero there's none there uh, on Friday there was 3,800 pounds which I don't know how much that is <laughs> if that's a lot of it is, but they said Friday there were 3,800 pounds there and this morning there's zero so they called for emergency oxygen, had me wait a little bit. So I'm waiting there, and at that point, I don't know how long it's going to be. But I soon learned that it may be several hours because uh, they said if, this, if it doesn't come by 10 o'clock, it's going to be 
too late for you to uh, be discharged that day because it's an outpatient surgery. So, and the, dis the, the deadline is 4 o'clock. So, they're like, if we don't have this oxygen by 10 o'clock, you won't be out of here by 4 o'clock. So, I'm waiting there thinking, all right, so I at least just have to, and I'm disappointed that I even have to wait a couple hours, okay, because I was all ready to roll. This, they put me, pushed me back out of the OR, back into my waiting room. And so I'm disappointed that this is even just going to be a couple hours process of just, you know, laying here waiting again. Um, then another guy comes in and he's like, uh, we're going to, we're going to cancel the surgery. Because he said, we think there's a problem because the oxygen is down to zero. So they're afraid if they just go and fill it back up again, if there's a leak and my surgery time they're estimating is a two-hour surgery. So if there's a leak and we run out of oxygen, that would be a problem. I'm like, yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> so they canceled my surgery, and I had to still obviously come home that day with all my pre-meds that I had taken for surgery. I never felt like a limp rag before. I don't know what all they gave me, but I know something was, I'm sure they gave me some kind of relaxing pill or something because I, they told me, they said, you can't drive today, which r I understood that. Uh, but I got home and I laid down like there was nothing in my body that, that even wanted to attempt to try to get up. Everything was just so flat. Uh, so Tuesday, I spent the day at home. But long story, sh well, that was not long story short. That was the story. It was very disappointing. Uh, mentally, I was, thought I was prepared. Physically, I think I was prepared. At least they had me prepared. Uh, the things that they had to do. And then all of a sudden it was canceled from something that I had no, no control over. And my, one of my first thoughts were, okay, who can I blame for this? What ridiculous person at a surgery center lets their oxygen run out? I mean, like, wouldn't you check that? And so I'm like, okay, who do I, whose fault is this? Who can I say, what's the problem? You really dropped the ball on this. That crossed my mind. I'm not going to lie. But also the reality of it was none of those people that were in the room, the surgeon, the anesthesiologist, my nurses, wasn't their fault. It was probably some other person that takes care of that. So I wasn't going to blame any of these people. But so in my disappointment... I could also choose to believe in the sovereignty of God, which I do. And it took me a little bit, but I think I'm there now. <laughs> you know what, God, you got this. It's okay. It's fine. I don't see the big picture, but God does. Isaiah says, when it talks about God's ways, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. And so as much as I, as much as I had planned out, all of a sudden it is, isn't working out. And so I can either get upset, and it was very interesting hearing some comments when people learned that my surgery is canceled. 
Uh, they were pretty extreme because the, the one person, he is like, what? He's like, what is their problem? Like, what surgical center would not have option? And he started getting up more upset than me. I'm like, wait a second. This is, but it's, it's, it's the reactions of people. Until uh, And even uh, the opposite side, someone's like, you know what? It just wasn't supposed to happen today, and I'm okay with that. So what do we do when plans don't go as planned? We all face some kind of circumstances that are out of our control. There are some circumstances that we can control, and I do realize as well, we do put ourselves sometimes in situations that we have to uh, live with the results. That is, that's a fact. But there's also times that we just simply have no control over what happens. And to me, this was the case that I was dealing with uh, this morning. But who you are on the other side of the trial depends on how you walk through it. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is when something just completely goes as unplanned, how you walk through it will determine who you are on the other side of the trial that you're facing. And so I was very disappointed. And th but then just processing that this week, too, God knows disappointment. Because in Genesis 1, when God made everything, he made everything beautiful, perfect. It was great. He made it just as he wanted it in the beginning of Genesis. Four chapters later, Genesis chapter 4 is where it says, every thought was evil continually. Talk about a disappointment. Yeah. So I really believe, I know God's thoughts aren't my thoughts. I just said that two minutes ago. And his ways aren't my ways, but I do believe God knows about disappointment. Because uh, from my perspective, that would be very disappointing. Creating something so beautiful, so perfect, and so soon, everything is evil. Their thoughts, it says their thoughts were evil continually. And obviously he chose a flood to destroy it. So when you're disappointed, God knows what you're going through. I really believe he does. Uh, he knows how you feel. I really believe he does. And we're going to talk about a story here just in uh, about 15 minutes here of someone else that knew disappointment. This was a boy that grew up. His dad loved him. He was a special son. He had lots of brothers. Uh, his dad even made him a special coat. Now I gave it away, right? Who was it? Joseph. Yeah, Joseph. We're going to talk about Joseph just a little bit and just looking at his life a little bit. Joseph grew up, and he had, had it pretty good. He really did. Being a, a special son, favorite son, uh, his dad made him the code. I'm sure his dad probably did other things for him as well that were maybe a little more special. He was a dreamer. Although his brothers didn't like him, that was probably a little challenge to work through. But then at age 17 is when something that, what I guarantee you this was not in Joseph's plans. Boom. 
I mean, life changed for Joseph, and he couldn't, he couldn't change it. He just simply went to check on his brothers. His dad told him to go, so he was walking in obedience to his father. And his brothers saw him coming, and we know the story. Uh, some wanted to kill him. Really? Like so much hatred from your brothers that they want to kill you. It's pretty bad. But instead they took his coat, threw him in a pit, and then they sold him. And we know we, we know the story. I'm not going to get into, into details in the story. But the disappointment, I think, that Joseph walked through at that point, I'm sure was really big. I mean, all of a sudden, he's in a pit. They took his coat, and then they sold him. So not only dealing with your brothers just continually are, are not, not wanting you, the betrayal, the hatred, just the change of life. All of a sudden, he's sold, and he's either riding camels or donkeys or walking, I'm not sure, toward Egypt. And he gets sold, then he gets put on an auction block. Like, how humili humiliating would that be? Being up on an auction block as a slave and people bidding for you. But then we know that Potiphar bought him, and we, we, we know that story as well. Went to Potiphar, then Potiphar's wife wanted him as well. He maintains his integrity, and because of maintaining his integrity, he gets thrown in the prison. So it just seems like it just goes from bad to worse. It keeps getting worse things that he can't control. I mean, he's trying to do his best. I really think Joseph was doing his best. And these things just kept unwinding right in front of him. Very disappointing for, for Joseph. But we think when we look at Joseph's life, he remained faithful to God no matter what the circumstances. Joseph remained faithful. That's a huge challenge. Because for me, I look at my situation this week. Okay, uh, my, my surgery is scheduled now for this Tuesday. So one week later, not that big of a deal. On Tuesday, it seemed like a big deal. And I had all these thoughts of, you know, emotions going through my mind of uh, wanting to become upset. A week later, it, it doesn't hold a candle to what we're talking about here in Joseph's life. And I know there's a lot of things that you're dealing with as well um, that this situation doesn't hold a candle to. Uh, but I am saying I did learn a lot from it. And what I want you, each one of us, to learn here as well is just ask the question, how do we, what do we do when circumstances come up that we're not planned and we don't have control over it? What should our response be? What is our response? Uh, to that situation. So then we have uh, Joseph. Obviously, then he got thrown into prison, and we know that he had a chance to interpret the dreams for the baker and the butler, and God helped him to do that. And then he was forgotten again because he said, hey, remember, tell Potiphar that I'm still in here, and it goes a whole other two years. Two years, okay? That's, 
a long time. So he's down there for another two years, and then he has another opportunity to interpret a dream for the king. And so that's when he comes out, and we know that he gets uh, promoted and became a ruler. He built storehouses, and then we know the story of the seven good years, seven years of famine, and then his family comes back, and he gets to meet his brothers. I don't know how I would respond to something like that if I'd have all my brothers doing what they did to Joseph and then they show up again. Uh, it, would, it would be difficult. We know the story what he did. What I want to get to, and you can, I want you to open your Bibles here or your phone or something because this here is what is amazing to me and this is one point I want to get. In Genesis 45, verse 5. I think most of us know Joseph's story pretty well. And so that's why I'm not going to read much scripture. It's pretty long. But I do want us to get this this morning. After Joseph experienced all this, in Genesis 45, I'm going to jump into verse 4. This is when Joseph is speaking to his brothers. And this is when he revealed himself to his brothers. They came back the second time. Remember, they were there the first time. He sent them back. They came back again. Uh, Genesis 45, verse 4, Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. And then he told him, I'm Joseph, your brother whom you sold in Egypt. Verse 5, but now do not be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. Right here is what I want you to get. And I think if you have a Bible or if you can highlight in your phone, I think this should be highlighted. Here's what he says. For God sent me before you to preserve life for God sent me so after all that Joseph experienced this is what he says God sent me and so in your life here this morning we all face some type of trials and I know we will all, you, we probably all have faced things, situations to where we have, we can't control. But let's remember that God is in control and he is doing a work in your life. Joseph recognized this. He says, God sent me. And God is sending you somewhere as well, and me as well. God is doing something in your life. He's sending you somewhere. He has a, a destination that he wants you to get to. It's his plan. It's his purpose. And so let's allow God to keep working in our hearts and let's work through the things that he allows to come into our life. And we'll say, God is sending me somewhere. Now, the other thing that I found is really important, too. He says, God sent me 
to preserve life. And he wasn't just talking about his own life. He was talking about the lives of others. So Joseph says, God is sending me to preserve the life of others. We talked about it last week with Moses as well. The call that God had for Moses was not just for Moses. It was for the Israelites. It was for more people. So God's, I really believe, God's call in our lives is not just for us. It's also for others as well. And so when I look at the story of Joseph, God sent me that I can preserve life. It was a big picture. It was for others um, as well. So I just want to bless you with that this morning in recognizing that God is at work. God is doing something. He's sending you somewhere. And Lord, help us to recognize that I'm on a journey. God is in control. God sent me. So those, uh, that's the, the, the picture is much bigger than us. So the two things I want you to remember here this morning. Number one is God is in ultimate control. We know that, but sometimes it's harder to live it because it's surprising how much we spend and energies we put into trying to make things how we want it. And there is an element. There is a balance there. There are some things that we are required to do. We can't just, I'm not going to do anything. God's in control. You know, God's going to do what he wants to. No, that's not the attitude to have. God still wants to use us. But when we get into a situation that is outside our control, let's remember God is sovereign. God is in control. That's number one. Number two, remember God is sending you somewhere. God sent me, Joseph said. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you for the plans and purposes you have for our lives. Father, we see Joseph, and we, we just talked briefly, very briefly about Joseph, but I think a lot of us know the story of Joseph, uh, of a, a difficult journey, a lot of disappointments. But yet at the end, Joseph says, God sent me. And Lord, I pray that for each of us here this morning, that on our journey, we would recognize that you are in control and we would live our lives as you are in control. And also remember that you are sending us somewhere. And so give us the courage and the ability to walk the journey that you called for each one of us. Lord, thank you that you're God. Thank you you never leave us. You never forsake us. Your plans are good. They're to prosper. Give us a hope and a future. So, Lord, thank you for that. I want to praise you, God, for just for your grace that's so free. We sang about that this morning. Your faithfulness, your love. God, thank you for loving us. Uh, we just praise you and bless you this morning. Lord, I pray a blessing on each person that's here as we go through this week that we would learn and we would live 
that you're sovereign and know that you're sending us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.